Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. I'm Dylan. Dylan, I don't know why, but I almost said I'm Dylan. <laughs> I guess it's been one of those days. It's been quite a relaxing day, honestly. I just, apparently I'm you now. Yeah, um, I mean, if we must. <laughs> Hi everyone, uh, this is Chris from Backstage Gaming. I remember. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna throw you in a well. Um, <laughs> so, this week, uh, audience, let me let me part the curtain for a moment and bring you into the process. And by process, I mean utter lack of a process, because today was one of those days where Dylan and I are both like, I don't really know what to talk about. We, uh, there, there hasn't been, at least, let me put it this way, the last several episodes have all kind of been like spurred on by something, either, th- either a conversation the previous week, or something new that we've been playing, or something new that's happened, and we didn't really have one this week. Um, or at least not like something that was immediately like, we gotta talk about this! Mm-hmm. So we opened up, we have a, a Google Doc full of potential episode topics, and at some point, I don't remember why we wrote this in, but we wrote in, in like the Patrick making fun of Spongebob camel case format, Dynasty Warriors! Um, and today, when I opened that up, I looked at it and I went, hang on, but I kind of want to talk about Dynasty Warriors. Or at least Warriors. Yeah. Uh, this is not going to be an entire episode about Dynasty Warriors because I don't know enough about Dynasty Warriors I for that to be the case. Zilch. Like, okay, I, I know about Dynasty Warriors, but only through osmosis because yeah, my I, brother would not let me on the PS2 when I was a kid because of his obsession with Dynasty <laughs> Warriors. Yeah. Uh, I played exactly one entry in the Dynasty Warriors franchise before, uh, but... Well, let's let's talk about Dynasty Warriors, and then that'll get us to like the actual meat of what we want to talk about. Uh, so, Dylan, what is the Warriors franchise? The Warriors franchise is, uh, I think, it actually started as a fighting game, which is weird, but yeah, that is weird. Um, I, I would never have guessed that. <laughs> it it started as like a fighting game, um, and it was based on the Romance of the Three Kingdoms, uh, classic Chinese literature i don't know if it's historical fiction or if it's myth um i don't know enough about the source material for that uh but it's a story that exists and there was a fighting game based off of it and i think dynasty warriors 2 or 3 rolled around on the ps2 and they were like hey let's 
throw in this mode where you're uh basically a one-man army and that was a hit and so dynasty warriors became that and if i'm wrong if someone who knows the dynasty warriors history uh better than i do um wants to chime in uh do so i'll tell you how at the end of the episode um (laughs) but yeah no it's uh it's a game where you you play as like a general uh from one of the i want to say three armies but i i feel like romance of the three kingdoms actually has more than three armies um I, we're not I read be, we're not excerpts of it about... in college, and I I have no useful memories from that. So right, so because of that, we're not going to be talking a lot about uh, vanilla Dynasty Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> That's not really our hat. Um, but what I do know about it is that you play as like these notable figures from the story of the Romance of the Three Kingdoms, um, aligned on one of many sides, um, and you know you you go through these maps filled with um popcorn enemies is what they're called where it's like they're tiny they're enemies that like don't have a lot of hp or anything they're just part of a mob and you're basically mowing these mobs down um and you are following objectives so let's say the map is a fort or a fortress rather you'll you might get an objective that says go to the gate and then another one that says go to the east tower and then maybe they're um there are enemy forces invading like a base that you have uh it's if you've played star wars battlefront it's basically a yeah. more um hack and slashy version of that yeah the uh the one game in the end in the series that i have substantial experience with uh i have many fond memories of staying up late into the night with my friends in high school playing dynasty warriors gundam for the playstation mm-hmm. 3 which was the dynasty warriors formula but instead of a historical figure you are a giant robot uh, yes, and it's it's very like it's hack and slashy. There are some there are some combo moves you can pull off, and most missions boil down to like either capture or defend different important points on the map, uh, which you do by killing enough of the endless, endless, endless horde of enemies that come at you. And like I said, I have a lot of fond memories of Dynasty Warriors Gundam, but my memories of them are less like. This is the best game ever, and more like this is a, a fun game to like have as kind of visual background noise while I hang out with my friends. Right. Um, it's a franchise that like has never really appealed to me personally. Obviously, it appeals to people because they they have made many what, nine of, <laughs> of these games, at least not including spinoffs. And yeah, tie-ins. But there is a new Dynasty Warriors themed. Maybe branded. I, I don't know if it's being made by the same company. It um, is. I'm like I thought 99% so. sure it is. A new a new Warriors game coming to the Nintendo Switch called Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, which is a sequel to the, uh, I believe, Wii U game Hyrule Warriors, which is, again, it's this Warriors formula, but instead of the Warriors theming or instead of the Gundam theming, it's Legend of Zelda theming. So you're playing as Link, Zelda, Impa, Sheik, all of these characters, and some new characters that were created just for it, uh, hacking through hordes of moblins and bacoblins and stealthos and other Zelda enemies to defend objective points or capture objective points or whatever the, the mission format is. And this is the first time I've ever seen a Warriors game and thought, okay, but I kind of want to play it. <laughs> And I, 
that is a long-winded way of getting to the topic that I wanted to talk about, which is this is not a unique occurrence. There are other games that have come out where they're part of a genre or a franchise that I'm not usually interested in, but something about this individual entry gets me thinking like, okay, maybe. And for Hyrule Warriors, it is it is a couple of different things. Part of it is the the fact that it's Legend of Zelda and I'm a fan of the Legend of Zelda franchise. Right. Like, that's that's just going to be part of it because I like those characters, I like that world, I like consuming media about The Legend of Zelda. But it's not just that because the first Hyrule Warriors did not get me interested at all. And I think what it is for Age of Calamity, Age of Calamity is being billed as a prequel to, or a prequel story at least, to Breath of the Wild. And it is taking place in the war that happens a hundred years before the events of Breath of the Wild, where Link gets put in his cryostasis coma, and Ganon wins, and all of the heroes are killed. And the idea of playing a game like the Warriors franchise, where you are essentially playing a on-god mode of what any other what any other hack-and-slash game would be god mode, <laughs> mawing, like where you're able to mow through all these mobs of enemies... But playing a game like that where you know at the outset that you lose <laughs> is really cool, and I want to see how they do it. Like, I I don't know what that's going to look like, and I am fascinated to find out. Like, that it's, it's a case where, like, and maybe this is just me not knowing enough about, you know, the, the source material for Dynasty Warriors, or in the case of... Gundam, which I got into, again, because of the theming, because I like Gundam, uh, it, there there was a story there, but it was a very generic, like, it had to be a very generic Gundam story because they were bringing in Gundams from all of the different franchises, yeah. so it wasn't like they were telling a, a cohesive story with it. I was just going to say, uh, we talked about this off mic, but one of the things that's interesting me in Age of Calamity that didn't interest me in the first Hyrule Warriors, and much of the uh, kind of uh, licensed Dynasty Warriors-esque games is that, uh, you know, like you said, it is a prequel, and it is, like, set in a specific... It, it's like a specific story, whereas um, Hyrule Warriors was kind of a dream match, where it's like... Uh, that's, that's to use uh, King of Fighters' term, um, where, like, a dream match is like, it doesn't matter where they are, canonically like where they are in the timeline or whatever like they're here for you um and that's really cool and i i see the appeal of you know games like that it's fun to watch princess ruto swim through a mob of enemies basically <laughs> using the move surf from pokemon like i i get that appeal but that's never really appealed to me about the uh dynasty warriors or uh games like it yeah um just because the the core game loop doesn't really appeal to me, but I guess as a fan of Breath of the Wild, seeing uh, Age of Calamity, kind of, you know, it it's firmly planting its feet in the ground and saying this is a, this is specifically related to the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, um, yeah, much in the same way that, uh, well, I don't know how many people are gonna get this, but like Persona Q. It's kind of like a, what if all the characters from Persona 3, 4, and 5 hung out? That doesn't really appeal to me. But uh, something like Persona 4 Dancing All Night, 
or Persona 4 Arena, which are like, this. these are sequels to Persona 4, they take place after them, that's a little bit more interesting to me. Yeah, there, there's more of an actual potential for a story to be told. Yeah. And, it, I, and this is kind of going to get, this might be getting needlessly high-minded, but the idea of this game, like, it's setting itself up kind of as, like, a Greek tragedy in a way, where, like, we know how it ends. Mm-hmm. We know that it is going to end in most of these characters dying, one of them being put in a coma for the for a hundred years, and the bad guys winning. And so, like, I, I personally, and this is partially just, like, the way I like stories and partially my fucking classics, inner classics nerd, mm-hmm. I love stories like that because, for me, it opens up so much room for, like, the story to be told in an interesting way when you don't have to worry about, like, keeping the ending from the audience, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so, I don't know, I this is not an episode entirely about this. It's treated as an inevitability. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, I I think it's interesting, and I it is literally the first time I have ever thought that a Warriors game looked interesting. Not to bash the series, just they're <laughs> not usually for me. I, I think um, for me, another thing that I'm interested in is to see if they, if there's any hint on what might be in Breath of the Wild too. I know that's like not a certainty or anything, but like you know, it'd be kind of cool to see. It would be very something. cool. But yeah, let's. I with that out of the way, I kind of want to branch it out into this broader discussion of like, what are the kinds of things for us that might get us into a genre or into a series that we haven't been before. Because there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. Like, off the top of my head, I'm going to just list this because it's not really like a deep well for discussion. It's just one of the things that came to mind. I had zero interest in Persona as a franchise mm-hmm. for most of my life. Like, it, I was aware of it, and I was like, okay, I mean, it sounds kind of interesting, but it, like, it was not a game that I was ever, like, going to seek out. Right. And then the first trailer for Persona 5 dropped. Such a good and trailer. And that, that trailer was so good and so stylish and so, like, assured of exactly what it was from the word go that I was like, okay, shit, maybe I need to try this game out. (laughs) And so, like, sometimes it can be as simple as that. Like, a good trailer, a good ad can get you into a game. Uh, But Dylan, do you you have any offhand that that you can think of, of like... Oh, yeah, I'm thinking of one right now. Yeah, go for it. Um, So this this is more of an anecdote from when I was a a wee bab. A Uh, wee bab. Babby Dylan. Earlier today, I uploaded a clip of me playing Fire Emblem 3 Monshul no Nazo on uh, my Nintendo Switch because I got a Japanese uh, eShop account because I'm crazy <laughs> like that. But yeah, no, uh, I'm a huge... I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge Fire Emblem fan, but like I'm a longtime fan of the Fire Emblem series. Um, and really, it, it that was kind of the game that opened my mind up to turn-based combat. Whereas, you know, before that I would play something like Pokemon, where the com- the turn-based combat was more of a means to an end of exploring um, 
you know, all these interesting locations, because, you know, I love Johto, and I think Johto is filled with very interesting points of interest. I'm saying interest a lot, forgive me. Um, I think, you know, Fire Emblem was the, especially Fire Emblem 7, the, the first game that came out in America, that was the game that really kind of stopped me and said, you can do interesting things with turn-based combat. It doesn't have to be like, uh, let me just hit them with my strongest attack and, you know, like, you know, it's not grind until you're super strong and bulldoze through enemies. You can actually, there's a layer of strategy and, um, you know, risk and reward to it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when I actually played Final Fantasy X, uh, which was my first, you know, proper turn-based RPG, um, I remember being kind of disappointed when I saw, like, when combat started and I realized, oh, this doesn't play like Kingdom Hearts. This plays like, you know, fucking menus. Ew, gross. Get them out of here. <laughs> um, but, like, then I, the more I played and the more party members I got, I was like, oh, this kind of has elements of strategy that kind of remind me of Fire Emblem with elemental weaknesses and, um, you know, uh, this character is good for flying enemies. This character is good for enemies with tough armor. That That's exactly like Fire Emblem. And so, you know, that Fire Emblem was the game that opened my mind and re- made me realize that this is something that always existed. Pokemon has always had strategy in it. It's just that I never thought about it too much because the games never really asked it of me. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're a game series that, like, they are intended for kids, so you don't need strategy to get through. You can get through right. just kind of by brute forcing it. But if 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 you there. like your toe to dial, you can just roll through the game with a feraligator at level sixty or seventy. Yeah, I think yeah, I think Pokemon Gold's the only game I ever played to the point where I hit the level cap. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, dude, I uh. I played, like, and I, I don't know why that is, because I just would challenge the Elite Four over and over again. <laughs> uh, just because I liked, you know, the music, and I liked, you know, I had a lot more free time on my hands. It's wild to think about that, because, like, now I think of, like, what kinds of games does Dylan like to play? And the first, like, one of the first ones that comes to mind are turn-based RPGs and Final Fantasy games. <laughs> and it's 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 wild how much one game just finally like clicking for you can change your taste. Like I know we talked about fighting games a lot last week, but like me being into fighting games is a very new development and is largely because of Dragon Ball Fighters because it came out and like the 8-year-old Dragon Ball Z super fan in me saw those visuals and saw how perfectly it looked and felt like Dragon Ball Z and was like, I need this game. (laughs) And that has spiraled out into like, I now own far more fighting games than I ever thought I would on Steam. (laughs) (laughs) And I have been like, for fun, going into training mode and grinding bread and butter combos and like, learning fundamentals and like, it... It really is cool how even something as simple as, like, you were saying, like, Kingdom Hearts catching you and getting you into Final Fantasy for the first time Mm -hmm. or something like that can just, like, 
open a door to something you otherwise might never have decided was for you Mm -hmm. just off of like an aesthetic you know for me like getting into jrpgs was a large part you know playing smash brothers melee and being like roy and marth what yeah who are these i they're so cool i have to get fire emblem um and then like also toonami was like a very big influence on my life (laughs) so i still think about those old toonami promos and like i mean there's there's another fucking example like i don't know if i would have discovered anime if not for toonami as a programming block but like especially those like minute to minute and a half incredibly well edited promos they used to air on Cartoon Network. Toonami could sell me on something I would otherwise have had no interest in watching. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um what do you say we we slide into the playbill? Yeah, it works for me. Come out the other side, find a couple other things to uh to to chat about. This might be a slightly shorter episode. I didn't know how much meat was gonna be on these bones, but uh it, it was something that was on my mind because I don't know. I've I've been I've been looking for new things to do. <laughs> I think we're all at that point right now. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's talk about the playbill. Hey, let's go. Ah. Oh no, Dylan, you fell down a well. <laughs> I'm I'm all right, as you can tell by my chuckle. Right, I fished Dylan out of the well. Now we're in the playbill. Uh, hey, Dylan, tell me about your other show, or one of them at least. Well, Chris, Toonami is about anime. You know what else is about anime? <laughs> is it your other podcast? Yeah, it is. Uh, my other podcast, Dude, You Remember Macross, that's Dude as in D-U-D-E, as in Dude Where's My Car. That, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm amused. Like, it's dumb that, like, I chuckle at that every time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, uh, that's that's a show that I do with our friend Coop, where we go through this, um, this anime franchise from the 80s called Super Dimensional Fortress Macross, and every, like, every three episodes, uh, bit by bit, we make our way through these shows, and we talk about them and we we kind of analyze them um cover the events it's it's just really at the end of the day it's just a couple guys shooting the shit at oh bleh. let me re let me retake that yeah at the end of the day it's a couple of guys shooting the shit about mecha anime and if that sounds like your jam you should check us out at anchor.fm slash dude you remember uh we are also on spotify google play and apple podcasts you should also go check out our uh, our friends over at the Unexplored Places. It's an actual play show that Dylan and I are both on as cast members. It is a great show about space adventure currently. There's also a season one about more sort of monster of the week, mundane, spoopy adme- adventure. Uh, it's a great time and a great show. The most recent few episodes have been an absolute blast to record and to listen to, and you should go and do that. You can find them by going to unexploredcast.libsyn.com or by going to Twitter at unexploredcast. You should also go 
And check out on Twitter the HP Video Game Podcast Network. It's a network full of podcasts about video games like us uh, from a bunch of different angles, from the development side, the news side, the fandom side, all that kind of stuff. You can find all of those shows being retweeted at HPVG Pod Network on Twitter. And thank you, as always, to our patrons over at patreon.com slash bsgpod. It's thanks to you that we're able to do this show without losing money or losing uh, sleep or losing the will to live. Uh, Thank you so much for the support. And if you like our show and want to support us in a very direct way, uh, the the Patreon is a great way to do that. That's patreon.com slash bsgpod. Anything else for you, Dylan? Uh, No, I don't believe so. Not right now. All right, let's get back at it. That was a read. Yeah, I don't know where this read came from, but here we are. No, uh, I refuse to do that voice for... I refuse to subject y'all to hearing that voice for an entire podcast episode. Um, (laughs) Unless it's not this show and maybe a show where I play a character. Who knows? Uh, But yeah, I... Like I said, I I don't know how much more, like, really substantive stuff, hard-hitting games commentary... Uh, we have for this, but I I am curious, Dylan, if there's any other games that you can think of offhand that like got you into a new gaming bag. So uh, when I when I got Castlevania: Aria of Sorrow, that was the most into a 2D platformer I had been since playing on my dad's NES. <laughs> I don't know. I the the whole thing about like 2D platformers is that like. Especially if you've grown up playing 3D platformers, 2D platformers can feel very limited. Like, you want to be able to explore a space. Um, because 3D 3D platformers are kind of all about uh, variety and exploration. Whereas 2D platformers are a little bit more driven. Like, they're get to the end of the level um, and don't die. Yeah. <laughs> so, they're... they're lot more straight and to the point and that's not what i was really looking for as a kid metro i I owned metroid fusion before uh i owned castlevania aria of sorrow but i think there's just something about the location of dracula's castle um it's many different areas the many different area like enemy types you encounter uh the b-series that gives you a, a tiny blurb on all of them the loot drops like all of that makes um makes the game feel a bit more like a lived-in place to me. Yeah. And so I just enjoyed exploring. Um, I, I enjoyed exploring the castle in Aria of Sorrow. And I think to that end, I the things that bugged me about 2D platformers really started to bother me less. Yeah, I, I think that that's, that's super fair. Like, I I've liked... 2D platformers and I've liked Metroidvania style games for most of my life uh but the I've recently been getting like much more I was gonna say much more back into them and I don't know that that's a correct sentence but I'm gonna stand by it um relapsed hard yeah and part of that is thanks to the game Shovel Knight because for the same reasons you were just listing liking uh Aria of Sorrow it's it feels like a very lived in world. There's a lot of little touches that make it feel like a place I want to spend time. And we've talked about that. You know, we did a whole episode on that before. Yeah. But getting more and more into that and playing more and more of of Hollow Knight, then kind of opened up that itch again and got me into like 
I really want to play replay Super Metroid. I really want to replay Metroid Fusion. I want to get into Castlevania because it's a like as much as I like Metroidvania games, I have played very few of the mainline Castlevania games. So like it I I feel that there's there's something about like the presentation of a really good Metroidvania that just like makes you want more of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, like there's there's just something about it uh yeah can i can i also ask you when yes. we've talked about this on the show before as well uh but you have spent at least a part of your quarantine times getting into uh to shoot 'em ups yes what was the impulse for that what was there a game that you like that you saw and you were like i want to be good at this so um i guess if if we go back about a decade <laughs> um <laughs> I I got into whoa whoa ah. hello welcome. I was about to the go into '90s slang Aren't because it is so impossible for me to. It is impossible for me to conceive of the fact that the '90s are two decades ago. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not gonna dwell on. That. I'm really enjoying <laughs> being here in the first term of the Obama presidency. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh. So anyway. Um. Back before boomers took over Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway, uh, yeah, no, I uh, I I bought Sin and Punishment uh, because Sin and Punishment reminded me of this game I played in the arcade called Time Crisis, which was a rail shooter, or yeah, light gun rail shooter. I I, I think it counts as a rail shooter. But uh, yeah, Sin and Punishment, something so. about the presentation reminded me of Time Crisis. And so uh, I bought Sin and Punishment and the the thrill of learning Sin and Punishment's controls, understanding, you know, the hitbox of your character, like how close can a bullet uh, shoot at you before it actually hits you and damages you. Um, learning the routes through the levels, learning effective ways of scoring points um kind of learning to predict enemy spawns all of that was like a really fun satisfying experience that i've had trouble replicating um with other old school style shooting games like contra just to throw out an example mm. um so uh shmups shoot 'em ups have always been on my radar but i never I could never really get into them, not because I didn't like them, but just because the the ones I did try to play, like Ikaruga, I think was the first one I tried. Ikaruga is a really fun game. It's uh, considered a legendary shoot 'em up game. Um, I still can't wrap my head around it. <laughs> it's it's too much for me. Um, so I I couldn't really get into that. I, I've tried a couple other games off of Steam and couldn't really get into those. But I, I just saw someone who was a shmup fan talking about, like, some of them, like, games he would recommend. And I looked into a, a handful of those, and there were ones where it was like, this one actually has a beginner mode. So I'm like, all right, I'll try that. And then playing through one of them on a beginner mode where it was, like, the first level's, like, painfully easy, but then it still ramps up. If you're not experienced, you're gonna die a lot. Um yeah. That was kind of the moment where the design of the game started to click because the it, the level of entry was easy enough that like I felt encouraged to keep going at it and to uh, try to improve myself. Yeah, can I just want to say I think that the the increasing prevalence of 
assist modes is so good and yeah. such a like that is something that I have seen in real time recently, like with uh, with the release of Hades on the Switch and on PC. There is a God mode in Hades, which is like a you know an assist mode. It makes things a little bit easier. It makes you less likely to die. It's still challenging, but it ta- it it defangs it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I have seen people on on social media saying like, "I'm so glad this is here because I have never been into roguelikes, but I I loved the aesthetic of this game and I wanted to play it, and this is like why I'm able to do that." Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm hoping that and I, I similar things with like Celeste, back when Celeste was was kind of new on the scene, people talking about like this game that they otherwise maybe wouldn't have played if there wasn't a very good and very well-executed assist mode there. Uh, I think that that's something that I'm excited to see more and more different developers use it and more and more different styles of game end up with that. Uh, Just because, like, I want more people to play games because if more people play the games I like, more of those kinds of games will get made and there will be more of them for me. (laughs) That's always the dream. Like I was saying, I don't I didn't know how much meat there was in this bone. I thought there was there were some the bites we got off of this bone were were juicy and delicious, but I think we might have reached the end of of what we're going to get out of this. So why don't we call this a slightly shorter episode, wrap it up, leave y'all wanting more. And this is another thing that I I very much want to hear from y'all listening. Like what are what are these break-in games for you? What are the games that like got you into a genre you otherwise would not have tried or would not have been interested in because I, I, I'm always fascinated to hear like what it is that clicks with people. Cause it's such a subjective thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dylan will tell you how to reach out to us about that. But before that, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this slightly short, slightly, uh, slightly rambly episode of backstage gaming. Remember to leave a rating and review wherever you're listening to us, whether that's on the iTunes uh, or Apple Podcast Service, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, any of those good podcatchers. Tell your friends about us. Tell your family. Tell your DoorDash delivery driver next time you place an order for delivery because y'all better not be uh, eating in restaurants. Y'all know better than that. I know you know better than that. Order from DoorDash, which sponsors Backstage Gaming. That's not true. Uh, anyway, Dylan, tell us about social media. Um, oh, wait, we have a website. <laughs> What is happening to me? <laughs> Go to our like, website, backsta- or bsgpod.com. Like you'll find contact cells. form. If you want to reach out to us, you'll find you'll find uh, info about me and Dylan. You'll find info about the show. It's a great website. You should check it out, bsgpod.com. Why does anyone listen to us? <laughs> no thoughts. Head empty. Head empty. <laughs> um, yeah, if you want to hit us up on social media, you can. <laughs> Great, moving on. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that tickled you. Like I hoped it would. <laughs> Pause. Rewind. No, we're good. Um, okay. So yeah, if you want to hit us up on social media, you can find us on Facebook and our Twitter, where our handle is at bsg underscore cast. If you want to engage with us, talk about some of the stuff that we were mentioning, uh, like Chris said. Uh, I would recommend you use that hashtag BSGpod. Huge, huge thanks to our friend Brendan French for the QRT has provided our show. If you dig his stuff, you can check him out on Squarespace, uh, on his Squarespace at brennan-french.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E-N-N-E-N 
hyphenfrench.squarespace.com. You can also find him on Instagram.com slash Brennan French Arts and on Twitter at Brennan underscore French. You should also go check out our friend BioQuery. He's the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1 Instrumentality. He's a great electronica composer and producer, and you can find all of his music by going to soundcloud.com slash BioQuery. That's soundcloud.com slash B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y. Or by searching for BioQuery on Spotify. Thanks again to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. It's a great network full of podcasts about video games. And if you like our show and like the kinds of discussions we have, I'm sure you'll find some other shows on there that you will enjoy. Also, thank you to our patrons at patreon.com slash bsgpod. If it wasn't for you, we would not be able to do this as much or as well or as often as we do. And if you want us to do this more and better, you should head over to patreon.com slash bsgpod and uh, see if there's any level at which you want to support us. We appreciate each and every one of you that does that. I think that's it for this week. And with that, my three brain cells need a break. Good night, everybody. Good night, Chris's three brain cells. Good night, Dylan. Good night, Dylan. Good night, Dylan. That was dumb. Cut that. That was very dumb, but bye. <laughs> <laughs>